Hello, critics, non-critics, and friends. Welcome to the Film Optics Podcast, where we take a glance into comic book movies, blockbusters, indie films, and everything in between. I'm your host, Christian, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host and uh, Devin, excuse me, co-host Devin. Well, not yeah. Your name's not And, right? I'm and one? Well, you, has not changed. Well, no. you're wearing Nike, so you're not you're not And one, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and one back in the day. Back back in the day. Oh man, early 2000s. What a time to be alive. But as I said, I'm joined by my co-host here, Devin, and we have two special guests, two friends of the show joining us. We have Nicole Ackman from Next Next Picture. And we have J.D. Duran from In Session Film. And today, we're going to be continuing our Franchise Revisited series with The Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 1. And before we begin today's episode, a little bit of housekeeping here for you guys. You can listen to our podcast on platforms around the internet. And if you're a new or seasoned listener to the show, we'd love to hear from you guys. Show us some love and send us a five-star rating and review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, or follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Film Optics. That is Optics with an X. Or we're going to take it a step further for you guys. Email us at filmoptics at gmail.com for any movie-related questions. JD, Nicole, how are you guys doing today? It's great to have you guys back. It's It feels like forever, but, you know, I, I feel like we just spoke, you know, yesterday or something. I don't know. But I, I've, I've even today. <laughs> I'm so excited to be back. I literally, in like rewatching this, I was like, I am so excited to have the opportunity to talk about these movies. Um, I feel like The Hunger Games has somehow become like the forgotten franchise child Mm -hmm. um, compared to like Harry Potter and Twilight um, and the other like things that were big around that era. So I'm just so excited, Christian, that you're like making an excuse to talk about all these really fun franchise movies. (laughs) I I will echo a lot of that as well. It was really fun to join you to talk some Harry Potter when I did. And like Nicole said, getting to revisit this film, especially this film, I'm very, very eager to dive in. And it's also interesting because I'm pretty sure every time I've been here, Nicole has also been here. So <laughs> it feels like there's a partnership going on. Dynamic duo. <laughs> yeah. is, is it in your contract? Yeah. I guess so. <laughs> I have a formula. Is Nicole going to be there? Okay, I'll join. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I can't do it. If Nicole's not there, I won't do it. I won't do the scene. Nope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. But Devin, oh, Devin, my co-host... How are you doing? How, how's your weekend then? I'm, do, I'm doing swell. The weekend's just getting started. Yeah, yeah. It's, whew, man, I went to a comedy show last night. It was an improv comedy show, and it was a lot of fun. My friend does, like, the uh, the music, background music for them. So it was it was pretty cool. Like, I've never seen anything like that before, and I was, like, super, super into it. Like, a solid, like, maybe hour and a half show, and it was just amazing. Absolutely loved it. But, yeah, as – yeah, really, really good times. But yeah, as uh, Nicole said, I just I just love these like really big franchises. Like we haven't even covered like Harry like no, I'm sorry, not Harry Potter. Uh ugh. uh The Hobbits, which I don't know if I really want to do that one or not. Or uh Lord of the Rings yet, but it's like I don't it's I, I do agree with uh with uh Nicole. It definitely is like the forgotten. <laughs> like it somehow yeah. got like just swept under the rug i think it was at just, the time it was so huge though yeah which yeah. is weird yeah i think harry potter definitely overshadowed 
a lot of stuff because I mean, even during this movie, uh, when it came out in theaters, I believe Game of Thrones was, you know, still, um, you know, airing on TV and whatnot. So it was a really great time, but it feels like this movie came out even further than 2014 when I was looking it up and I'm like, was it really 2014? And then part two came out the year following. I'm like, okay, of course, you know, filming it back to back, but man, it seems like so, so long ago, like farther than 2014. It's the strangest thing ever, but you know, I'm, I'm all about the YA fantasy books. So I'm, I'm actually thinking about, I'm thinking about rewatching all of twilight and I know I shouldn't do that to myself, but it's like, you know, the Batman's coming up. We have Kristen Stewart getting her first Oscar nomination. It feels yeah. very fitting as much as I never read the twilight books, but it's like, I, I kind of just want to go back and watch them because I haven't fully watched them. I know what happens. Mm-hmm. But it it is what it is. But I don't know. But are you guys ready to jump into the rebellion and get this thing started off with our? Hell yeah. I'm so (laughs) ready. (laughs) (laughs) All right, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be right back after this introduction to The Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 1. I never wanted any of this. I never wanted to be in the games. I just wanted to save my sister. And keep Peter alive. Miss Everdeen, it's the things we love most that destroy us. All right, ladies and gentlemen, and we are back with our Mockingjay Part One review. I can't believe we're actually this far along, but it, it's it's a super short series in a way. But you know, they try to drag it out as much as they can. But I'm going to read the synopsis for everyone out there who hasn't so happened to even have watched this uh, amazing series. Like Nicole said, flew underneath a lot of people's radar. But since we are in the year of the 10th anniversary of the first film uh, dropping, uh, I believe mid-March, I think 23rd, March 23rd, I want to say at least in the States is when it hit theaters. But uh, let me go ahead and read the synopsis for uh, Mockingjay Part one. So Katniss Everdeen is in the District 13 after she shatters the games forever under the leadership of President Coin and the advice of her trusted friends. Katniss spreads her wings as she fights to save PETA and a nation moved by her courage. This is again directed by uh, Francis Lawrence. I believe he also directed uh, part two as well. And the writers include Simon uh, Beaufoy or is it Beaufoy? Let's go with Bufoy. <laughs> I, I think so. Uh, Mike Arndt and, of course, Susan Collins, uh, who is the author of the Hunger Games books and stars uh, Jennifer Lawrence, Josh Hutchison, Liam Hensworth. We have some Natalie Dormer of in here and some Herschel Ali. Like, oh, my gosh. The entire franchise is filled with, like, these top A-list actors. It's been crazy to go back and actually watch and for anyone out there actually listening and for jd and i think nicole already knows this but this is actually my first time watching part one mocking j part one and part two i actually watched this movie twice and did some research so i'm ready nice to go <laughs> now, i knew i had to come back for this because after i did the first episode of this series because i was like i gotta see what he thinks <laughs> <laughs> yeah yes yes i've watched it twice i've gone through the youtube rabbit hole i am ready to i even watched the special features that came with my blu-ray because i was so invested 
in a two Mockingjay part one and part two. But before but let's hear your thoughts then. Uh, well, before, you should go first. I will. But before we do, I actually want to get JD's introduction. I wanted to ask him, what was your introduction to Hunger Games? Have you read the books uh, before diving into the uh, film franchise? Uh, so I was introduced to this series with that first film that came out in 2012. Uh, and like everyone else, I became swept up with Hunger Games fever. Uh, very much enjoyed that first one quite a bit. And catching when Catching Fire came out, I really liked that one a lot as well, even more so than the first one. That inspired me to read the to start reading the books. Uh, then the next two films came out, obviously, uh, and I'm a slow reader, so I didn't get to those <laughs> to after the movies anyway. I have, you know, I finished uh, reading the books somewhere in 2015. Uh, so I have read them. It's been so long, though. And obviously, as cinephiles, we consume so much media all the time that in all transparency, I don't know if I could tell you anything about the books comparatively to the movies and all the differences. It's been so long <laughs> since I've been in this world. Yeah. That uh, it it probably would have been hard for me to even come into this conversation without rewatching this movie, even though I have my notes from when we reviewed it all those years ago. But um, yeah, I mean, so I have read the books. I've seen all the films, obviously, several times over. Um, I, I I'm a big fan of this franchise, very much a, a big fan. I would have loved to have been here for all the conversations, time permitting. But uh, since I wasn't able to do that, the one that I absolutely told Christian I needed to be here was for this one unequivocally. This is the only one I really wanted to talk about. Let's take a quick break. Did you know that you can change what you taste by what you hear? How can you use sound to make a deeper connection with your clients? Can we be healed with sound? Sound influences people in their buying decisions and their daily lives. In the podcast audio branding, I explore all of this, both with my own observations as a voice actor of over 15 years and by interviewing knowledgeable professionals in the field of advertising, marketing, music, and science. To have a listen for yourself, visit audiobrandingpodcast.com. Yeah, I asked JD, I'm like, hey, like we're doing Catching Fire, you know, like it's, you know, it's the climax, you know, the height of everything. And he's like, he's like, uh -huh. yeah, he's like, but I am a Mocking J part one fan. I'm like, okay, okay. So it's, I, I think it's always fun and important to, you know, bring people on. I did ask Brendan, but he's not a big Hunger Games fan um, as the yeah. rest of us. But, yeah, not as much. And that's yeah. okay. I did. I had no clue. I just, you know, figured I'd uh, extend mm -hmm. the invitation. But, you know, it's fair. You know, you want to bring people on to celebrate the thing that you love and people who are it's more interested, more invested into the story. So, um, mm -hmm. well, I guess we'll just start off with our <laughs> initial rewatch thoughts since I've seen this movie twice. Um, so after I watched, you're, you're the expert now, I, I guess so. I was on, whew, man, I, I watched at least four or five videos plus the other special features, but it was just really cool to see how the movie was uh, put together. So I guess I will start with my initial rewatch. Then we'll go to JD and then Nicole, and then we'll end with Devin. But, um, my initial thoughts, uh, when it, so when I first watched it, actually, I couldn't wait, like after catching fire, I've seen catching fire a thousand times. And I was like, man, like, you know, it, it ends on like that perfect cliffhanger. Like, you know, there is no district 12. And I was like, oh my gosh, I have to watch part one of Mockingjay immediately. So I did. And then I watched part two 
And I was like, I feel like I need to rewatch these again to see how I actually feel about it. So I rewatched part one today before we uh, recorded. And I, I love it. Like the, the political battle of at least the first half of this book, because I believe Amy Smith did tell me that, you know, since Mockingjay is one giant story, um, uh, including like just one book, the first half of the book definitely feels separate from, you know, the, the latter half in that the first half is more political. And I thought it was fantastic. I, I love the, the political struggles and, you know, the tactics that they're using. Um, not as interesting. I, oh, not, I can't say not as interesting as Game of Thrones, but different because, you know, this is a dystopian sci-fi um, story and just the way how, you know, Peter's uh, PETA has been taken by the Capitol. And I swear for the life of me, I could not remember for some reason. I thought Peter dies for some reason. I thought he died, but then I was thinking, no, his soul dies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Peter, as we know him, <laughs> technically <Yeah>. he, <laughs> he he's a different person now. You know, he's, he's, he's got a new groove, a new look, but um, <laughs> everything with, you know, I mean, just, just the, surpri- the surprise actors. I mean, Marshall Ali pretty much coming up within the first like few minutes of the movie and, you know, just just the introduction, like the beginning of this movie where, you know, Katniss is going through this extreme like PTSD of like everything that happened within Catching Fire because Mockingjay does happen like right after Catching Fire. Like it kind of just, you know, the ball just rolls straight from there and she doesn't really have time to recover the way in the way that we would like her to. And I I really just like how we spend a lot of time within District 13, you know, the the uh <laughs> the district that never was um <laughs> but um you know overall i i really just love the struggle you know the the emotional beats of this story and the fact that it was uh it was shot majority in georgia i believe that, that that's my first little fun fact but <laughs> but um over, all in all i i really enjoyed it you know there's not as much action but i feel like that's fine because not every movie needs to have like all these big action heavy set pieces in order to be good because, you know, we have moved away from the Hunger Games portion and this is getting more into, you know, the weeds of it all. And, you know, the the uh, political struggles that's happening, you know, the rebellion, the Mockingjay and just everyone trying to, well, supposedly, but <laughs> there's a few people I don't trust in this film, but um, <laughs> supposedly, you know, help Katniss um, reach her goal. But, you know, as we uh, heard in an introduction, you know, she's really just trying to protect the ones that she loves. And that's what I really adore about this film. And also the hanging tree, very, very hauntingly beautiful piece of uh, of music there. But that's just my number one on the iTunes chart. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. So um, I guess we'll move on over to Nicole. What were your uh, initial thoughts on this rewatch? Yeah, I knew that I don't think this movie is as good as Catching Fire, but I also think Catching Fire is like kind of the be all end all of franchise movies. Mm. Um, So this movie definitely sort of fell prey to after Harry Potter split the last film and or the last book into two films. Every other series was like, we got to split our last book into two films. Um, And I do think that it doesn't work as well here as it does in Deathly Hollows, 
I will say it works significantly better here than it does in the Twilight franchise, <laughs> um, in which that third movie is just a bunch of like literally nothing happening. Whereas for the or the fourth movie, whichever one it is, whereas for this, I do think that like I can see why they thought they wanted to split it, and I think it kind of works it kind of doesn't but there is so much in this that i think is good i feel like this gets like a really bad reputation and i don't think it's the bad movie that a lot of people act like it is there's a lot to admire in this movie like you said this cast i mean first of all put natalie dormer in a movie and like i'm there like that's all i ask from a film but you know we've got philip seymour hoffman we've got jeffrey wright we've got Mahersha Ali, we've got patina miller like there are so many really amazing actors in this. And I think uh, Jennifer Lawrence also in this continues to show like why she became the actress that she is today in terms of Mm -hmm. her reputation and everything for being talented. Uh, Elizabeth Banks is fantastic in this movie as Effie. Uh, And Woody Harrelson continues to be the perfect Hamish. This movie's a lot darker than I remembered it to be. Like it's a pretty dark film Mm. to be a YA franchise. Um, but I also will say, like, the whole segment with Katniss going to visit the wounded and then them getting bombed and then, you know, the sort of thing that they're filming with her and her response to it all, I think is one of the best parts of this entire franchise. Like, I think that scene is mm-hmm. so strong and so speaks to the heart of what The Hunger Games is all about. I also think, like, it's really weird to be rewatching this at a time when, you know, there is war going on and to sort of... Like, you know, just to kind of like, it was very jarring for me to be watching this and then looking like on on videos on Mm. my phone on Twitter of the Ukraine right now. um, And just sort of thinking about, you know, those themes and and the fact that like there have been protests over the past years that have used like the three finger salute from the Hunger Games in their protests, which is kind of wild. Um, But Mm. I think that the fact that there are those sort of, you know, similarities there kind of speaks to the fact that the Hunger Games really does get at something really important. And I think it's, it's a, it's a more real story than a lot of these type of franchise films are trying to tell. Um, and it's frightening how, you know, this dystopian universe doesn't actually feel that far off. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of chilling whenever you think about it that way. But I, I think that, you know, I have my issues with this movie. I think it does sort of meander for a lot of it. I think that they could have really tightened it up in a lot of places, but I still think it's a pretty good film. I think you bring up a lot of great points, um, Nicole. It's it, it. The scary part is that you know this this isn't you're like oh it's like oh things in Harry Potter will never happen or you know things in I don't know Divergent would never happen or in the far future. But it's something like this can easily happen within our culture, um, especially here in America. Especially how you know Pan Am is essentially modeled after that. So it's kind of. It's it's really crazy to think about. Like this, this is one of the most realistic, <laughs> as you said. But uh, let's pass it over to JD. I'm very interested to hear this man's thoughts about Mocking J Part yeah. One. So give us uh, your initial rewatch thoughts. Uh, so as we've noted, this film has its reputation and I do not understand it for the life of me. If someone wants to argue and it sounds like you guys are that catching fire is the best film of this franchise. I think that's very fair. Mocking Jay part one is my favorite of the bunch. And I think it's 
the most thematically and emotionally rich of the four films. And it's not even close for me, not even close. And it's interesting how Nicole is tethering it to the events that's unfolding in front of us right now, because there are a lot of poignant parallels uh, to what's happening in Ukraine and in this film specifically, I think about that uh, there's everyone's talking about this fighter pilot, the ghost of Kiev he's been coined, who's maybe shot down, you know, six Russian jets, uh, which is an insane feat by today's standards with air to air combat. But even if that's not true, people have used him as a symbol for hope when it comes to what's happening in this crisis. And there's been a lot of, I hate to use the word fanfare, but there's been a lot of people getting behind this pilot from any, from a symbolic and emotional perspective. That's very akin to Katniss in this movie and how she's being used as a symbol to uh, bring these districts together and succumb a little bit of hope as they fight back against the Capitol and those parallels I just find incredibly striking. Uh, and and to speak to what you guys are saying in terms of how, you know, the, the political warfare in this movie, how it does tailor to real life uh, events. And uh, as you were talking about earlier, Christian, uh, this is a film that isn't built on action, much like the other films in this franchise. And I do think the action we get in the other films is pretty good for the most part. But this is a film that has two action scenes in it, two. This is a political warfare movie at its heart. It's a meditation into the psychology of revolution. And that I find fascinating. If you're wanting action, if you're wanting conventionality, you're going to be left cold with this film. It has almost none of that. From scene to scene, it's uh, a depiction of Katniss grappling with her psychology, grappling with this idea of being a symbol of being the mocking Jay, something that she does not want at all, but something that she has to embrace if she wants to not only bring the districts together and over the course of the film, such as the scene that Nicole brought up with the hospital, she comes to realize that it's, it's much bigger than herself. It's much bigger than her wanting to save PETA, but that is a big part of it for her as well. She has to embrace being the symbol to save this person that she loves in PETA, that she wants to get out from the Capitol, but then it becomes something bigger than herself. And there's a struggle there. And a lot of this film is just conversation or it's just a camera on Jennifer Lawrence as she struggles to figure out what her next steps are going to be. Can she even do this? I mean, there's a a three minute sequence in this film where she's just walking through district 12 and into her house. And she says nothing for three minutes. We just follow her through all of that. Or it's her talking to Gail or her talking to president coin or whoever it is. That's a lot of this film. It's just conversation. Finnick, like the scenes she has with Finnick where they're just conversing about the circumstances that they're in. And there's something about that unconventional approach the thematic ideas at play here, the psychology at play, that is first and foremost what this film is about. 
Um, and I find it enthralling. I, I love I mean, a lot of it could certainly be the performances as Nicole was talking about as well. I think it's in the writing. Um, but there's so much about that in this film. It's such a rich film to kind of dig into from a thematic and emotional perspective, juxtaposed to the convention and some of the, a lot of the action you get in the other movies, which is, again is good. I, I, I'm a big fan of this franchise, but this one, unlike any others of not just this franchise, but kind of of its kin, it's so different. It's, it, I love this for the same reasons. I love Deathly Hallows part one, uh, which uh, I can't remember if I was here to talk about that one or not, but I can't remember uh, either. It was yeah, only last but I year. love that one as well because it, it, it's built on the same premises, really. Right. Uh, but to me, that's what makes Mocking Jay Part One stand out, and I ate every second of it. Okay, so actually, that did jog my memory for Part One. It was actually just me and Brendan Cassidy. Yeah, um, I think I was supposed to be here and I couldn't. Right for right. some reason. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Something happened, but it's all good. Yeah, but I I do agree with you. Uh, JD, it, it is just very, it's such a taunting, like just, it's a very depressing film. Like you spend a lot of, you it know, is. most of the time underground, you know, District 13 and, you know, they've, a little fun fact, I guess, I'm not sure, like, correct me if I'm wrong for those who have read the books, but I believe when District 13 did rebel before, you know, they were dro- uh, driven away, obviously bombed. They're technically not a part of Pan Am anymore. Like they're their own separate operation. So I believe they made a deal with Pan Am to kind of, you know, just kind of move away and kind of do their own thing. But secretly, obviously, you know, just been uh, trying to figure out a way to overthrow. And then, you know, here comes Katniss. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like the perfect opportunity. But um, I, I I do agree with you on all, on all fronts, JD. It is a very it's very similar to Deadly Hollows Part One because it is the the setup of the payoff. Um, obviously, we're not talking Part Two of Mocking Jay, so I won't <laughs> mention anything about that. I'm yeah. I still have to. I'm still wrestling with that one for sure. I got to rewatch that one as well. But um, let's move over to Devin. What was your initial re- uh, reactions to this movie? I know it's been a while for you as well. Yeah, since it first came out. But um, I pretty much echo what everyone else has been saying. I kind of agree with with what's been said. Um, I definitely don't truly understand why it has such a bad rap. Um, I feel like it definitely is. It feels tonally and even kind of visually different than the first two which might have something to do with it. Mm-hmm. I, I read that it's the first one of the series to be shot digitally. That might have mm-hmm. something to do with it, but I definitely liked a lot about this movie. I loved the, the PETA arc where he's just kind of deteriorating um, his exterior. And it's just kind mm-hmm. of crazy. That yeah. was done with CGI. Apparently I was actually pretty impressed by really? that. Really? Oh, wow. Oh yeah. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. The- yeah. I, I remember when I first saw it, I thought that was kind of like, it was it was a little scary. Like he's a he's a little he's a little goblin just kind of <laughs> wasting away and he's attacking Cadness. Like who is this monster? I thought you were just a, a nice little baker, Peta. What are you doing? But yeah, force joking people out here. <laughs> yeah, he, just, yeah. He, really went, he really went after, and that was learned some wrestling moves in the capital. Apparently, definitely jarring. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. I loved uh, Hanging Tree. It's it's a classic. Um, Mm -hmm. there's, there's a few parts with the, like, there's just kind of some generic military, like, like tactile scenes that kind of feel out of place 
where you're just seeing like generic type soldiers doesn't seem like it really fits in this world. I can kind of see that. And I wish it was more like exotic, like kind of like how the capital is. Yeah, it's just really kind of match up different because mm. the capital has that very distinct look. But yeah, I I definitely enjoyed it overall. Do I do I like it more than the first two? I I wouldn't say so. I think I enjoy the first two a little bit more, but overall, good time and. Looking forward to rewatching the second one as well. That's that's going to be amazing. Like I'm, I'm very very excited. But I guess wanted to kind of you know pass over because when when I want to kind of go back to what JD was saying earlier that he you know he watched the franchise first and then that prompted him to, to read the books. Now I honestly think that is probably the best way to experience you know the these young adult uh, fantasies uh, books or novels like especially if you haven't uh, read them before, because that's what happened with me in Game of Thrones. Like, you know, I've obviously, you know, as I was watching it, it just prompted me to go back and watch uh, and read the books because you get so much more in depth um, of a feel to it and just a better understanding of that world. So it's like, you know, I, you know, I know a lot of people who haven't even read or watched Harry Potter because they're like, yeah, like, you know, my parents didn't let me or, you know, due to the whole you know, Christian witch, witchcraft thing. And they're like, oh, well, I feel like it's too late for me. But I would say even for, you know, uh, Hunger Games, like I had never read the books. Um, I did pick up the um, the trilogy about a few years ago. I just, I haven't picked it up. I'm, I'm a terrible book reader, honestly. <laughs> but, you know, rewatching this, you know, for the 10-year celebration, especially of the first movie coming out this year, it's definitely, um, you know, pushing me to go back and just, kind of dive more into this um into this world because even with effie i believe she was not in um she did not go to district 13 at all she stayed at the capitol Mm -hmm. which was i thought was interesting but going into president coin (laughs) this lady i do not trust at all (laughs) 100 percent um but i it's i i really like how you know on my rewatch going back and obviously, you know, doing a little bit of research and going back and rewatching it, a few small things kind of started like popping out to me, especially when they are, uh, when Katniss first, you know, goes to district 13 and during the, um, the first big, I guess you can say rally with president coin. And she notices there's not a lot of children. And, um, Prim kind of just says like mentions like, Oh, you know, there was the pandemic, they kind of wiped out their children, but also they don't really mm-hmm. mention that that actually left a lot of the adults infertile so they can't reproduce. So I was like, okay, that's, that's a pretty nice little nod. Like I, I really enjoy how this franchise and I, I feel like some YA franchises kind of just assume that everyone knows what's going on because even with, um, you know, Lupin, and Tonks, you know, them getting married. We like in the, in the movie, you had no, if you never read the books, you have no clue that Lupin was about to have a son. And like, they casually mention it. I think it was in part one of definitely Hallows. I can't really remember, but if you weren't a book reader, you had no clue what they were talking about whatsoever. But I like how with this uh, franchise, especially this film, it, it takes the time. Like there's a lot of expedition, but it takes the time to assume that, People haven't read the books in that, you know, there are going to be a lot of first time watchers, um, you know, uh, viewing these films and that they kind of it's the small little attention to details. 
So that that's something I, mm-hmm. I really picked up on. But um, I guess kind of, I kind of want to just throw it out to you guys. Uh, were there any big book to film differences from at least part one that you guys noticed that you enjoyed any changes of adaptation or you wish they would have done any differently? Um, I guess we'll yeah. yeah, go ahead, Nicole. The biggest one is, like you said, the fact that Effie is in the film and she's not in this part of the book at all, really. Um, And I think that it's a really good thing that they put her in, first of all, because Elizabeth Banks is like fantastic in this role. And I think that what they also did with the characters of Effie and Hamish and their like little, you know, back and forth banter is so good in these movies. Um, I love them together. And I think that also it's really important Important, I think to sort of show Effie who's this person who's lived in the capital her whole life and how she's having to adjust to life in District yeah. 13 I think that's yeah. actually like so poignant um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think otherwise like most of the changes are kind of small there's a lot of small changes but I think they're all ones that like make perfect sense for the um, sort of purposes of cutting it down to a two hour film. Mm. There are parts mm-hmm. that the, the one thing that I do wish that they'd mentioned, I don't think it comes up in the movie at all is that after everything happened with the quarter quilt, all of the stylists and hair and makeup teams of the tributes were killed in the Capitol. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like, I think speaks so much to what the Capitol is like that. Like these are capital citizens who just happen to be associated with these people. And Mm -hmm. it, you know, Katniss really feels that sort of as a, as a blow that, you know, all these people that many of them were even, you know, being helpful to, to these tributes and whatever. Um, But I really do feel like they did a good job of sort of managing to get all of the most important parts of the book uh, in a way that felt cinematic. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I was reading yeah. that Suzanne Collins actually called the director and was, and just mentioned that Evie Trinket cannot not be in the Mockingjay film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When I was, she was like, "That was my baby." Yeah. And even when I was watching yeah. the uh, uh, the special features, um, <laughs> like I guess Susan Collins, she was very involved with everything, and of course. With uh, with director uh, uh, Francis Lawrence, you know he directed Catching Fire, and it's like, okay, why would you not want to have him come back? And he actually finished uh, the rest of the franchise. And I mean, just from the special features themselves, you can really see how invested he was into this world, much like Christopher Columbus was with the first two Harry Potter movies. Like you, you could just see all the love on screen; it was fantastic. But um, I wanted to pass it mm-hmm. over to JD if you had any uh, comments on. Any um, book two screen adaptations that you liked or disliked? Well, look, I'll be honest. I don't really recall a lot of the book, and I certainly Fair didn't enough. have time to, to reread it. So, JD, I, uh, you I had don't one know if job. I have. <laughs> I know. I just had to reread the book Mark too. Notes it. Come on, quick! It was it was yeah. in the fine print of your your contractual agreement with Nicole onto this podcast. You, you, I know, <laughs> but I mean, I guess speaking of though, I, I could certainly bounce off of a few things she was saying there because I do think. You know, one of the more touching scenes of the film, it's subtle, it's brief, but there is the moment where Katniss does ask about Senna and she assumes that he's dead. So it is brought up in a brief moment where she just kind of comes to realize again, just 
how devastating these circumstances are in the middle of her wrestling with should I even embrace being the Mockingjay? So to have that moment there, I, it's not just a, a callback to that character or to something that may or be in the book, but in the context of this film, I think it's thematically very appropriate that as she's wrestling with this, that's another thing that she learns about. And and I agree with you guys about Elizabeth Banks. She is so great in this franchise. And I think having Effie here in the ways that she is, is she, her identity is completely changing uh, right in front of us. And to see her embrace it, it would have been easy given her lifestyle to just, you know, become a hermit in her little room and stay there and be bitter. But that's not really what she chooses. She is so drawn to Katniss and knows that she's, if, if Katniss is going to do this, that she's going to have to be by her side. And by taking those steps uh, alongside Hamish when he comes in as well. And both of those characters are quite different than uh, what we've seen them in the first two films. And I love how this film kind of inverts that in a lot of ways. Again, going back to how different this is all around. And to me, that's what I, you know, that, that's what I love about this movie. I also will say another thing I just thought of is I think District 13 in the movie isn't quite as strict as it is in the book um in the book like it's wild i remember there's something about like each person is allowed the amount of food ration per day that they've calculated is required to keep their body running but not more like Mm. they're really intense to the point that you can kind of see a little bit more especially why katniss is so at first like i don't know that i want to be here either (laughs) like um they're like so sort of over the top it it really is like okay that whole effect of like they've swung the full way opposite of the capital um to their own detriment Mm. and i think that's a little bit more obvious in the book whereas i think in the film they're trying a little bit more to get us to trust district 13 uh in mockingjay part one Mm -hmm. uh obviously i think a lot of us like like you said christian were immediately like "Mm -mm, no no don't trust this lady (laughs) Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm blanking on the actress's name who played President Coins. She, she was like when I was watching. This, oh, uh, Julianne Moore. Yes, Julianne, Julianne Moore. Moore. Yes. Yeah. She like she reached out. Like she wanted to play President Coin, which I love that. Yeah. Like I guess yeah, I her kids were fans of the series. Yeah. Like yeah. she was mm-hmm. like all on board, and of course, you know, we um fortunately had lost uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman uh, during um this time as well, but with um. With President Coin, it's like, it's like, like, like you said, Nicole, it's like it, it's built to like, oh, hey, you're in District 13, you know, we were also destroyed. You're safe with us. And I'm like, <sighs> it's, it's, it's a bit. But that was the mythical ethos of <laughs> District 13 in the previous two films. Yeah. That it was this potential safe place that they could all go to. And I do like that this film doesn't necessarily get bogged down in some of those details, although maybe learning some of those insights could have been interesting. But instead of, you know, getting too bogged down in that, instead, the film focuses on, again, the psychology of these characters, specifically Katniss and, you know, her kind of 
battling that idea of is this place somewhat trustworthy, which is what I love so much about Philip Seymour Hoffman in this film, because he becomes that mechanism for her where, you know, he pulls her in and she's somewhat, you know, trust him in a way. I agree that there's a lot about President Coyne that is murky for sure. And you and you do sense that. But overall, there is kind of the film does kind of build up that this can be a safe place or like a safe haven for all these people, yeah. uh, which then obviously in the next film, we kind of learn a lot more about, you know, the what's really going on, the mechanics of all that. But uh, I do like that this film never, at least for me, it doesn't stray too far from the psychology angle of it. It, like, it might throw in a few details here and there, like, you know, Katniss is like, yeah, my sister gets to keep her cat. You know, be inferring that it's so strict here that you can't even have cats. So it's kind of thrown in there, those little caveats. But all of that is woven within the political warfare nature of this film, whether it be Katniss early on with President Coyne herself trying to manipulate her advantages or later on with President Snow as well. And also, we, we kind of finally see, I believe... Um, I believe in the call mentioned this um, in the first Hunger Games where, you know, they talk about, you know, the capital cutting out people's tongues. And we finally get our first, I think, Vox. Uh, oh, I forgot the name of the term already, but we get our first. Avox, I think is yeah. what it is. Yeah. And who's actually, uh, for those who are big Daredevil fans, uh, he's, uh, I forgot the actor's name. I do apologize. But he plays Foggy in the Daredevil series um, as mm-hmm. uh, Charlie Cox's uh, right-hand man uh, for... For all uh, for all the uh, Daredevil fans out there, so it was a really nice surprise to see him as well. It's like, oh wow, like that's pretty mm-hmm. cool. But um, it, yeah, I I agree with you there, uh, JD. It is, I don't know, with, with President Coin, there's you know she she has this like persona where, like I was very confused the first time I watched. I'm like, okay, who is she the president of, and why is she the president, and why is it this way? And then obviously you know doing the research and rewatching, I'm like, oh okay, so I guess. You know, she did lose her her child and her husband during the uh, pandemic when, you know, I think it was smallpox or something of that nature. That was like the pandemic that they were um, mentioning. But, yeah, she's very um, you can definitely see, you know, she is another large, even though she's not widely known, especially within District 13. um, It's it seems more like a last resort type place that you would want to go versus a safe haven as JD mentioned earlier, because I don't mm-hmm. know if I could live like that. It's just very, you know, they're, they're, they're condensing like just down to the bare like essentials of what you need to survive, which is, I kind of understand, especially in this kind of, but at world. least you're not being killed by the Capitol. Right. Cause that is the other option. <laughs> right. And as we've seen with the other victors as well, um, especially, oh gosh, man with the trident, man with the trident, man with the trident. What was Finnick O'Dare? Finnick, yes. <laughs> Sorry, oh, dare I, you forget yeah. the way I said it. Like, <laughs> she was like, yeah, character was. <laughs> man with the trident, man yeah. with the trident. That's Whoops. man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wow, Finnick. <laughs> you can hear my hard eyes happening. <laughs> <laughs> It's yeah. oh my god! But I I think you know even his journey like he, he is in this movie, but not more so with the you know dialogue scenes with 
uh, with Katniss because he's a little he's he's shaken up. You know, he he lost his his Victor partner. Um, you know, the Capitol also has his love of uh, his life hostage. And you, I I really like how I think it was the cutaway scene when they're doing the rescue mission towards the ends of the uh, of the uh, of the movie where you know you kind of get a little bit more into president snow and i wish we would have gotten like more just like a little bit more like because it felt like it came in bits and chunks when he kept talking like through the the feeds to, to kind of distract you know what was actually going on with the plan i thought that was pretty i, I thought it was pretty clever for sure like the, the editing there but wanted to open up to you guys really quick uh if you had any other uh, points or likes or dis- dislikes you wanted to bring up that we haven't gotten to already. Um, I guess I'll start with Devin, then I'll go to JD, and then end with Nicole. I actually have some pretty interesting trivia facts here on the oh, old IMDb Devin coming page. back with the trivia. I love it. I think my, my favorite <laughs> one by far is Liam Hemsworth mentioned that prior to their kissing scenes, Jennifer Lawrence would purposely eat garlic and fish type of foods. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> Wait, why? <laughs> Yeah. Was she in a relationship or something, or just in general? Uh, there was no context nice. given. Just maybe she's oh. just trolling. I think it was just a, pr- a joke, yeah. just like a practical. Oh, okay, joke. okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, um, it's also oh. interesting to see that Jennifer Lawrence decided to stop dyeing her hair for this for this movie. She was just tired of doing her dyeing her hair back and forth, so she went with the wig, and that wig reportedly cost thirty thousand dollars. It was actually. A pretty convincing wig oh, yeah. for the most that, part. That I don't French know what her braid. natural hair color is, though. She's natural blonde. Natural blonde. Oh, okay. Okay. See, yeah, I did not know that. Wow. The more you know. Okay. Wow. That's that's a very expensive wig. Yeah. <laughs> it's better than the wig from Taylor Lautner in Twilight because, wow, yeah. that was. That one was 30 cents, not $30,000. <laughs> Oh my gosh. They actually didn't buy that. They just yeah. found it somewhere. <laughs> we just went to some random prison. Like, yeah, we got this like hair just hanging around. Like, we'll make it into a leg. It's fine. But yeah, I, I totally forgot that she was actually naturally blonde. But sorry, Devin, go ahead. This is the first film to not include a kiss between Katniss and Peta. Very sad for you. You uh, Katniss Peta stands. There's more of the BDSM part on theirs. <laughs> yeah, they were, they were into something else, I guess. Oh, God. <laughs> They skipped a step. Oh boy. (laughs) He just took it up like 10 levels. I'm like, whoa. (laughs) Oh my God. And then uh, this last one I think is also very interesting. This is the only film in the franchise to not open in the same year as a movie featuring uh, Thor, played by Chris Hemsworth. Hmm. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, that's funny. Okay, that's That's funny. funny. How interesting. (laughs) Liam's like, I win yes, this I get, year. I get this, one. this is my one time to shine. <laughs> this is my, I mean, I mean, Gail is, he's a big part of this movie. And, you know, this this weird love triangle between Katniss and Peta and Gail. And Gail kind of just tells her what's up. Like, listen, he's like, you only care about me when I'm like in pain or, you know, suffering. And that's the only time I can get your attention. And he just kind of, he's like, don't worry, it'll pass. I'm like, oh, man, this, this is a baller. He's not wasting any more time whatsoever. You can still tell you can still tell that he cares, but yeah, it's crazy stuff. But let's move over to uh, Nicole. Do you have any other uh, things you wanted to bring up for this episode? 
Yeah. Um, first of all, I will just say, as someone who doesn't like PETA as a character, this is a perfect movie for me because uh. I don't have to see him too much. Uh, <laughs> <Got> him. <laughs> I'm, I'm oh, a boy. Gale girl. I'm a Finnick girl. So you know what? This movie, it's it for me. Um, <laughs> okay, then. <laughs> I, I love it. Um, no, but I, I really did want to bring up, I think that the costume design and the production design in this movie are actually so good and so interesting because they actually go like a really long way towards building the world of district 13 um, in terms of how like austere everything is. And I think that sort of the costuming and the production design tell us so much about this world that they then don't have to like explicitly say to us. Um, And I also think they did a really good job with sort of all the um, scenes, the, you know, the, the couple of scenes that we do see of warfare where we're seeing bombings and all that. I think they actually did a pretty decent job with those scenes um, but yeah, I think that this is an interesting one because we don't sort of get the grand performances that we get in the Hunger Games or in Catching Fire because we don't have these arena scenes. Like we're not seeing people go through things in the same way that we have been mm. in the last two movies, which allows for a lot more like introspection, I think, particularly for mm. Katniss. That's my word. Um, You're speaking my language. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that is one of the best things about this is we sort of see Katniss dealing with it. And I think that it gives also a little bit of a a look into the idea that like, no matter what happens for Katniss, she's never going to be okay again. Mm -hmm. Like she's never going to be able to unhave all of these experiences that she's had. And, and Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, even though he's not in it that much, the bond between Katniss and Finnick as two people who went through this thing twice is yeah is really important because it also sort of speaks to the fact that it's really hard for either of them to connect with other people who haven't been through this um and and I think that that's something that we kind of continue to see and why Katniss continually feels drawn to PETA um it yeah. is just that shared experience I think that's sort exactly. of a something that goes through all of the movies, but we see it sort of here in the fact that it's not just PETA specifically, that she also feels this sort of connection to uh, Finnick himself. And, and, you know, he mm-hmm. feels that connection to Joanna and to Annie. And, and um, I think they do a good job of showing that, you know, obviously Katniss is really upset about PETA, but he's not the only one who's been lost. And, mm-hmm. and he's yeah. not the only, you know, she's not the only one who, who's mad at the Capitol in this way on this personal level. And um, mm-hmm. I think they do a good job of that. I do think I, I, I was going to say, I think I slightly prefer Mockingjay part two to Mockingjay part mm-hmm. one, but I think both of them, like, I think for one thing, just kind of unfortunately came out uh, after people were sort of like done with the hunger games. Um, and, and I think that they sort of got these bad reputations that they don't deserve at all. And I, I wish that more people would give, both of these movies a second chance yeah yeah i definitely agree and and even with uh, jeffrey wright's character as you mentioned like he he's gone through a lot as well even he he seems a little bit more composed in this film you know he's he's in his wheelchair and whatnot but you know Mm -hmm. his um his design of like you know the capital's like defense system because he comes from the district um that pretty much deals with technology and they seem to be very underpaid from this is another fun fact that I learned. Well, I was like, oh, yeah, I, I just love how I, I know all this stuff. I'm like, I still want to go back and read the books. But um, yeah, with, with his character, he's very like the guy in the chair type, I mean, quite literally. But um, you know, he, he goes through his own his own thing. You kind of see that more in Catching Fire than you do um, part one, at least. And, you know, 
moving onward. But uh, JD, I'll pass it over to you if there's anything you wanted to bring up. Yeah, I mean, just to echo some of what uh, Nicole was saying there. I mean, the introspection of this film is what I love so much about it, as I've been saying. And you certainly do get a lot of that here with Katniss. I just feel like from scene to scene, because again, there's only two action beats in this film. A lot of it is conversation between Katniss and other characters as we tap more into her psychology and her wrestling with being this symbol. And, you know, when you see how drawn she is not to just PETA, that shared experience is certainly palpable in Katniss, but also Gail and Finnick and all these other characters around her that she also cares for that for her to embrace something that she doesn't want to do, I think is really compelling uh, thematically speaking, but especially in Jennifer Lawrence's performance. And I, I cannot emphasize enough how fantastic I think she is here in terms of tapping into that psychology and the emotion and even some of the levity here. There's a couple of one-liners she throws at Hamish that is subtly quite funny. Uh, there's that moment of bad acting she has when they're shooting that first promo. <laughs> and I know some actors have talked about how acting bad is kind of challenging because you go through all this training to be a great actor and then you're forced <laughs> to do it badly. She, she, was great. she was great at acting bad. It's interesting. <laughs> she was. But as the film goes, you know, we do get to see her, I think, channel some really visceral Emotion and, and psychology, um, you know, I think about that moment when she finds the rose in her house when she's going through District 12 and there's that close up on her uh, and just it's all in her facial mannerisms. But you sense trepidation in that moment, which is so great. Um, or there's the moment when she's talking with President Snow. We've talked about how this is a political warfare movie. There's that moment where the two of them are going back and forth and Gail and his team are trying to, you know, get PETA and all the, all of them to escape off camera. Uh, what we see is, again, it's a conversation. There's a moment of action happening. But what this film emphasizes is the conversation between Katniss and President Snow going back and forth in this political way. At the end of it, there's the reveal that Snow uh, knew he knows exactly what's happening. The whole time. And he turns away from the camera and walks away. And she flips out because she, in that moment, realizes that both Peta and Gail, the, arguably the two closest people to her, aside from her mother and sister, could be killed at the exact same moment. And that moment, I think, is absolutely devastating because of... Uh, not just the how the film builds up the psychology here, but Jennifer Lawrence's performance alone there is absolutely terrific. So uh, there's there's a lot to love about this film. I think you know, and, and one of you, I can't remember who, forgive me, but we were talking about Peta and just the transformation of him over the course of the film. It is that moment between the two of them. I know we joked about it, but it is quite harrowing to see just how physically devolved he has become because of what he experienced in the Capitol. And then him lashing out at Katniss is, you know, quite, you know, it's, it's a threatening moment. That's, you know, pretty visceral on screen, I think. So 
Um, you know, which, you know, leads to some interesting ambiguity as to where things will pick up in the, in the next movie, at least on, on that first watch. So, um, yeah, I mean, I really like this film a lot. I just I just love how slow it is. I love how methodical it is, how psychologically driven it is. You know, to me, give me that kind of stuff all day long. I absolutely love it. So, yeah, I, I will champion this among <laughs> the many that uh, are quick to dismiss it. <laughs> I, I wonder what's like obviously we saw PETA, you know going through you know we see PETA on screen off screen type situation i wonder if those messages were like pre-recorded as like when was he actually tortured was it during like in between each broadcast that he had when you know we finally figure out like, is PETA alive is PETA alive and yeah like i said before for some reason i thought PETA died and i don't know why but as we mentioned he kind of does in a way, uh, but mm. I, I wonder how that transformation, you know, with the tracker jacker venom, like did that happen right after he, you know, like essentially like risks his life to give them the warning about, you know, uh, the Capitol bombing uh, district 13 with like their outdated uh, map information. I'm not sure when that necessarily happened. I guess it, I'm assuming it progressively started happening or was that like, Staged. I'm not entirely sure, as we you know saw with uh, Katniss and her or propaganda, as you mentioned with the the bad acting, which was uh, it's it's just always fun to see. Everyone's just like oh, that, that was that was just not good, not very convincing at all. But um, yeah, that was. I, I wonder how they did that. I, I I don't know if the books kind of explain that a little bit more because I mean, I just feel bad for he, man's being tortured, and you know the the associated you know pain associated with like a specific like item or person and it's like it's like you said jd you know he he really just lashes out like completely mm-hmm. unexpected i actually jumped for a second i was like Peter, what are you doing i'm mm-hmm. like oh yeah yeah he's he's been in the capital for a while so it's it's uh mm-hmm. it's very tragic to see this transformation and you know much like katniss i mean obviously peter's gone through his own uh, trials and tribulations he will like literally never be the same person ever again like the mm-hmm. it's you know the personality the person that we knew the sweet little PETA who you know <laughs> um disguised himself as a, as a piece of bark <laughs> is over <laughs> he's he's gone he's he's long long gone but uh, we are coming up on, well, and that's uh, something sorry, Finnick even speaks to, I believe, right? At one moment, he even says just being in the games, yeah. killing people is you'll, you'll change forever. You'll never be the same person again. Yeah. I believe Peter mentioned a little bit as well. And he was saying that he's, you know, um, I've, um, I don't know if it was like him saying he was a victim or him saying that, you know, it was, it wasn't just, you know, yeah, he's a victor, but you're still a slave and you still have to live with that. You had you essentially had to kill, you know, 23 other people, including and like someone from your um, from yeah. your district, maybe indirectly. But it's you know, you, you kind of just stay together as long as you can until something happens. And it, it really just takes a toll on you. It, I really like how this franchise and unfortunately, you know, with Harry Potter, as much as it, as it was like a nice little like happy ending for everyone towards the end. I feel like, you know, with this movie, you're definitely going to see a lot of changes that are permanent. Because with Harry Potter, it's like, oh, you know, we're going to put everyone in the old fat suits and stuff like that. 
And but it's like, I mean, they they went through a lot of traumatic stuff as well. So it's like you would think that things aren't always just like happy go lucky, like, oh, and all was well. Well, this is a lot more realistic. Yeah, very, very more realistic than yeah. yeah but it's it, it, I mean it is what it is, but yeah, it was whew, man, oh man. This this movie has been very uh eye-opening for sure. But let's go around. Well, I, I feel like we already did final thoughts. Um so uh let's just go into a quick rating and then we'll um close on out here because you know we're pressed for time for everyone. JD has a very busy schedule. I have them today. Yeah, Not- I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, you're totally, totally fine. Um, so we'll go through ratings and then we'll uh, give the floor to JD and Nicole so they can tell everyone where they can uh, find them on the internet. So we'll start with uh, Devin, then we'll go to JD, and then end with, end with Nicole for ratings, and I'll give mine as well towards the end. Yeah, as far as ratings go, um, I'm feeling, like I mentioned before, I, th- I think I had the, the first two Hunger Games a bit higher than this one, but this one's still, still definitely entertaining enough and... I think we're going to go with a solid 75. Just kind of solid. 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 All right, JD, what about you? Oh, man. I don't really do ratings anymore. Fair enough. Uh, So this is real. (laughs) I hadn't even really thought about it. Um, Signed a contract. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) if if I'm rating this on Letterboxd, I'd probably give it four. Out of five stars. That's probably where I'd sit with this if I was doing that exercise. All right. Uh, Nicole, what about you? Yeah, I have this rated on Letterboxd at a three out of five stars. I'm somewhere in between a three and a four star on it. Like a, you know. Three and a half? Yeah, maybe a three and a half. Like, I don't know. I Honestly, I'm really like a 6.5 out of 10 on it. Like, I, um, because I don't think it, I don't like it as much as the other game uh, Hunger Games movies. I think that like it does have some plot issues with it. And again, I do knock it down a little bit for the fact that like I don't think they need to split this into two movies. Um, but I do still think the acting's good, the design's good, all of that. So I'm I'm gonna say like a a high a high three stars. <laughs> <laughs> a high C. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, for me, uh, rating it again on Letterboxd, I think I think give it four out of five. Um, I gave the first Hunger Games a four out of five as well, but I definitely enjoy the first one um, a little bit more. Um, and thinking about it, like what Nicole was saying, like it could have been one movie. I feel, I don't know. It's, I feel like they might've been able to make it more clear cut because maybe, you know, maybe with, like with one my, three hour movie. Yeah. 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 Something like that. Cause I, I'm not, and I'm not sure if, if it's, if, if the front end part one's the issue or part two is the issue because there's I need to go back and rewatch part two because I was like I was a little confused towards the end because if of what happens but I think it was the execution because it just threw me off guard I was like wait so is this not what I thought this was but I don't know it, it is what it is but yeah I would give it like a solid four out of five stars for different reasons for me giving Hunger Games the original Hunger Games four to five stars, but I definitely enjoy the first one um, a little bit more. And I mean, I get it, you know, I, even on Rotten Tomatoes, I think right now it's as of today, I think the tomato meter for critics is sitting at a 69 and then for audiences at a 71. So I, I think, I don't know, people are, they were just expecting more of an arena thing, but that mainly happens in part two, but we'll definitely be back talking about part two 
um, later in April. So I'm going to pass the floor, open the floor over to JD and to Nicole so they can let everyone know where they can find them on the internet. As so we'll start with Nicole, then we'll end with JD, and then we'll close on out. Yeah, I am on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Nicole Ackman 16. In all those places, I also have a link tree that sort of has links to the different places that I podcast and write and do all of that. Um, my main gig is over at Next Best Picture, um, where you can hear me talking about all sorts of stuff and writing lots and lots of film reviews. Um, I also do have my own podcast with my friend Maggie called Petticoats and Poppies, which is a period drama podcast um, where we both uh, sort of talk about films because we have a background in history. We both have degrees in history and sort of unpack the history behind films um, that are about historical subjects. So, yeah. Nice. JD, where can everyone find you online? Uh, well, the easiest way is InSessionFilm.com. Uh, there we have podcasts, written reviews, all kinds of fun things. On social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, just search In Session Film. You'll find all of our stuff there. But again, the easiest way to find everything we do is InSessionFilm.com. And thanks again for having me. This was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, no, for, of course, you know, thank you guys for, again, coming on. Um, and for everyone out there listening, um, all of their, uh, where to find Nicole and JD, all of their uh, links will be in the episode notes um, of this podcast as well. Um, again, thank you guys so much for coming on. This, this is a lot of fun. So what's coming up on our podcast, you might ask. We do have our uh, the Batman non-spoiler coverage review that will be coming up on Tuesday, March 3rd. And then we have our spoiler coverage that will be dropping um, Monday, March 7th, uh, the weekend after. So everyone has a chance to see the movie. Uh, we've been doing a lot of, a lot of TV reviews covers lately. Did peace peacemaker that's up on the, um, up on the podcast right now, uh, season one did the Witcher two earlier this year as well. And if you're a big sci-fi fan for, uh, raised by wolf season two, me and Leo from, uh, geekly goods, uh, kind of covered the first six episodes over there as well as we have like our screen review um, and then, oh my gosh, Jackass Forever, things of that nature. So definitely check out our other episodes and make sure to share an episode with a friend, your mother, your brother, your lover, whoever it may be, share them an episode of the Film Optics Podcast. And we're going to pretty much wrap up here for today. Again, want to thank JD for coming on, even though we had to split a little bit. And of course, Love you, Nicole Ackman. Thank you so much for coming on again. Um, always, always a pleasure to have you on. So let's close. Thank you for having me. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. And that's a wrap for today. Thank you all for listening. And if you enjoy the show, leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram to stay in the know. That was JD, Nicole, Devin. My name is Christian. And we'll see you guys in the next one. And may the odds be ever in your favor.